welcome to another message presented by the ministry of Christian Faith Fellowship. We are fulfilling the call of God on this ministry to preach the Word of God without compromise, raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that we have to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. What would it be like if everyone participated in praise and worship? I tell you what, the anointing would fill this place. Burdens would be removed. Yokes would be destroyed. And we're going to talk about why. So I want to thank you for participating. Now I want to ask a question out loud. How many of you feel like it's important to participate in worship in church? Okay, that's the question to answer out loud. Here's a question to ponder. How many of you actually do? <laughs> Don't answer that. <laughs> And the question is, if not, why not? Because, see, we're commanded in the Bible. Let me ask you a question. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. So if you love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, are you going to sit there like a bump on a log when we're singing about him? I think sometimes of the songs that, that we sing and, and we talk about, you know, oh, the blood, crimson love, price, you know, the, the things that, oh, the blood of Jesus washes me, all those things, and I see people just sitting there just really dispassionate. And, I, and, and it makes me, I'm not, it makes me worry about them. It makes me concerned for their salvation. It's like if you say that you're, you're in love with somebody, you're married, so you love that person, and you just treat them like garbage all the time, or you ignore them all the time, there's trouble in that relationship. And so, God is completely worthy of worship. And therefore, the Bible says he seeks those who will worship him in spirit and truth. And we think, well, that's just how I worship God. Do you know that you don't have a choice in how you worship God? What do you mean? Deuteronomy 12.31 says this. First off, Exodus 34.14, going way back, says, You shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous <laughs> is the Jealous God. He wants our worship. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God in him alone, right? Deuteronomy 12, 31 says, those who follow the Lord must worship according to his ways, not the ways of those who worship other gods. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. There is a prescribed way throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation that shows us how we are to worship God. Psalm 95, verse six. Now y'all have a bunch of scriptures on there. These are not all in there. I gave you a handout that we'll get to in a minute. But Psalm 95, 6 says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. You see the kids down here, sometimes people down here kneeling? That's because the Bible said to. God wants you to. I can't, now, you know what? It's a sacrifice when you do that sometimes. It's hard to get up. But how many know God loves a sacrifice of praise? Amen? I like 1 Chronicles 16, 29. It says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. So, God demands worship. Here's a question. Why do we struggle with it? Can I, you know, y'all know I love you, right? Can I tell you a, a hard truth to hear? There's only two reasons. Ignorance or arrogance. You either don't know or you don't care. 
And that, that's an ouch there. Well, I'm not judging you. I'm saying this is what the Bible says. This is what I see. This is what it's supposed to look like. This is what it is. And I'm concerned for you. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. You know, I was talking about the church I was at. There was all kinds of people down there, man. They were, well, I mean, it was a workout. It was 45 minutes to an hour of worship. My first three, four months I was there, I lost 20 pounds, just sweating. Just sweating back. And my voice sounded like this almost all the time because I was singing 14, you know, key changes and going out of my range. And it was awesome, man. But people were into it. But how many know you got to live it once you leave here? And that was where some of them struggled. You know, they had it here. So my concern is, if you have it here and you don't have it out there, if you don't have it in here, what do you have out there? At the end of the day, worship is all about ascribing to God the praise and glory that he's due. Worthship. Demonstrating how you worship shows how much you value God. And you say, well, uh, but, you know, what, what is worship? Why? I think one reason we don't worship is because we don't really understand it. Because worship is like love. We've, we've made it into all these things that it's really not. For instance, worship, Webster defines it as this. To honor or show reverence for a divine being or supernatural power. To regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. I think that captures it pretty good. You know, if you go back to the original Webster's Dictionary, those guys, he was a Christian guy, so there's a lot in the early versions of that dictionary. Now, they've changed it over the years. Once it became Merriam-Webster, they started changing some things and making them more contemporary. But that, those early ones, I've got one that my grandma gave me from like 18-something. And I mean, everything. It's, it's just like it came from King James almost, the way they define things. But worship, worship is something that you know, we call this part of our service praise and worship. These are known as worship services, right? So when we come in, into this building to worship, how do we worship? Well, we worship with our singing. We worship with our praising. We worship with our giving. We worship with our listening and learning. That's worship too. We worship in our serving. All of you serve. But the bottom line is true worship goes outside these four walls. Worship is all about how we live. It's, and it's far too big of a subject for a single service on Sunday night. <laughs> but in Elevate, we're going to start, starting on the, on the 26th, right, for Thanksgiving, we're going to start the series that what we're doing tonight is kind of an intro to called Worship, the Heart of Christmas. So you guys get to be part of our Elevate service tonight. And this has nothing to do with my song, Heart of Christmas. That's a whole other story. Wow. I released a cool Christmas song before I lost my voice. <clears throat> Got it done. Got it out, did everything you're supposed to do. Said something bad, I noticed it wouldn't get a lot of play. A buddy of mine said, hey man, do you know that, that they've tagged it with, as E for explicit content? I said, I'm sorry, what? Oh yeah, yeah, if anybody that's got a filter on their streaming, they can't get the song. And I went, so I look on it and I'm like, well, sure enough. Well, yeah, iTunes, Apple has that. And the buddy goes, yeah, Spotify has it too. I'm like, Explicit. Jesus, the heart of Christmas, come worship God's only son. We sing holy, we sing joy to the world, joy to the world, for our Savior has come, King of all kings. That is pretty explicit. <laughs> and I was telling Brandy the other day, the only saving grace, they said they're gonna fix it, they're so sorry. In two to four weeks, they'll have it repaired. But I've already had two radio stations now say, we love your song, but we can't add it. What do you mean you can't add it? Well, because it's explicit content. I'm like, What? He said, I said, we're going to fix it. Well, when we fix it, we'll try to add it. Well, so if it's two to four weeks, it's going to be almost Christmas by then. 
But then I told Brandy, I said, but I thought of something. There's some folks out there that hate church and hate Christians and they hate Christmas and they're going to see Heart of Christmas with an E on it. Let's listen to that. I bet he cusses at Jesus or something. And they're going to hear this song that talks about giving glory to God's son. And that's, but you know, God always, he always finds a saving grace. But it's annoying. It's just the enemy with his little stuff that he does. I'm like, wow. But I was driving the other day thinking about that. And you know, the, the, the purpose of this, this series we're gonna do is for this holiday season, the thought is I want us to get our focus off of the Christmas season and back on the Christ of Christmas. I was driving the other day and I was thinking about my song and, and this classic song came out. I think I was listening to KCBI. And um, the song comes on, you guys know Matt Redmond's iconic song, The Heart of Worship. Y'all know that one? I'm going back to the heart of worship where it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. And I went, wow. I'm coming back to the heart of Christmas where it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. And then I got just this, this thing hit me. It wasn't really conviction as much as it was focus, son. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. And I started to think about the holiday. I started to think about even as Christians what we've done with the Christmas holiday, all the things that Christmas has become. Even amongst God's people, you know, like the world, we've, we've made Christmas to be about all these other things so much more than Jesus. You know, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it about presents and shopping. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it about the food and the cooking and the decorations and the lights and the cleaning and the, even the family and friends. and All those things are great. Hey, presents? We should give presents. Man, true Christians are givers. We're just like our Heavenly Father. And there's nothing wrong with food and decorations and lights and, and especially tending to spend time with friends and family, but the focus is Jesus. It's like the, the artwork I did for my, <clears throat> for my song I found on Canva and then I edited it myself a little bit. It's just a picture of the baby in a manger and that light shining down. And then I put a heart in the star for the heart of Christmas because God's heart was when he sent his son. And if we can remember that in the midst of everything else, we'll have opportunities during this holiday season to share the truth. Well, since we're together in Elevate, I have some handouts. Everybody get a handout? Now, for some of you, I, I want to talk a little bit tonight just for a few minutes about the worship aspect of our services since I mentioned it. And we talked about this a little bit last week in Elevate, but I was just thinking, you know, just the, just the matter of singing in front of people is very hard for some folks. How many of you guys ever, you just really would rather not sing and have people hear you, if that's you? That's me right now. I don't want to sing. I sound like I'm 12 and my voice is changing. I'm Donnie Osmond, you know, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> Some of y'all singing in a group on Sundays is hard for you because you're afraid somebody's going to hear you, Josh. <laughs> hey, that's okay. That's okay. There's, there's, right now, I was sitting there thinking, I was trying to practice and think how I could sing. If I sing like this, I'm okay, but if I try to hit any kind of note, like... Even on that, on that uh, and I enjoyed getting to sing along with Al Denson and Danny Chambers today, because uh, I love those guys, they're awesome. Um, 
But, and I got the chance to sing with Danny a lot in the late 80s, and the guy was amazing. I, anything I know about worship, I learned from him. It was unbelievable how awesome and anointed he was. But um, I was thinking about that, singing that song, you know, Rain of Your Presence and some of these other ones, and, and I was sitting there going, let the rain of your presence fall on me. I can do that. I go, love divine joy. That's really, oh, yikes. Yeah, that sounds really bad. Don't do that. <laughs> but I sang anyway. You know why? Because I love the Lord and I don't care. I did turn my mic off at one point, though, because I heard myself in my monitor. Oh, that don't sound good. But I was still singing. Even if you're moving your mouth and you're not making it very loud, as long as your heart is focused on him. You know what I mean? And so it can make us self-conscious. And that's a trap of the enemy. Because, you know, praise, just like we talked about with Paul and Silas, sometimes you just got to keep on praising until the shackles fall off, you know? Just keep on praising. And it takes our, it takes our, it takes our voice, though. It takes projecting that out. There's something about the power of sound and the words. We, we all know the importance of our words. The, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same spirit of the one who created everything lives in you. So think about the power. When they said the, in, in Proverbs that death and life is in the power of the tongue, that's before you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Imagine how much more power that has today. So sometimes we just need to, we just need to sing it out or shout it, even if you don't want to sing. Just say it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let the rain of your presence fall on me. It doesn't matter. You ever watch pastor down here? He'll start singing and he'll just stop. He's so lost in the moment, you know. That's the way we all should be. That is your altar right there. You can come down here, and I like, I talked to some of the kids while they do it, and they said, Bubba, because it's easier to shut everybody else around you when you're down here. Whatever it takes. That's your, you're in a place where you can worship Almighty God. Take advantage of it. But there's been times I've looked around, I've seen some of y'all, and I know. One of the things, I was talking to Charlie this morning when he told that story. As soon as he started telling that story about Jesus getting the keys, I felt a goosebump. And the Holy Spirit goes, this is important. Charlie wouldn't even go say it. And the Holy Spirit prompted him. And he's like, well, no, I got a minute. And I, just, I looked at him and smiled when he did that because, I, yeah, this is it. This is what's going to help. There was at least a dozen people that said, man, I'm going through it. I, you need to be reminded that he already won. And because he won, you won. It has nothing to do with you. You're just smart enough to choose Jesus and he gave you the victory, amen? But I want to let you know a little secret if you struggle singing. A lot of folks struggle singing. Everybody sees me, you know, doing stuff. Well, you're on the radio. You do concerts. Let me go, make me go do an audition in front of just one or two people. Ain't no way. I'm not gonna sit in front of a couple people and sing. That's just not me. I wasn't called to do that. I was called to preach. I was called to lead God's people in worship. I was called to minister in music, but I wasn't called to audition for shows. When I did Godspell, that was totally a God thing. I didn't even want to do it. I did that show for about eight weeks in rehearsals before I ever sang. And I'll never forget when I sang and one of the leads went, oh, praise the Lord. What? Says, well, we'd never heard you sing. We were kind of concerned as whether you could sing or not. It's funny how God will put you in places to push you. He wants you to, he doesn't want you afraid. You know, timidity, that's the part of fear. God didn't give you a spirit of timidity. You can be bold. So, first off, 
Why do you think it's hard for people? And here, you know, you don't want to sing out loud. I get that. Then sing softly. What about raising your hands? Well, I don't know about that either. Why? Why? If I go up and stick a 45 in your back and say, get your hands up, your hands are going up. If not, you're going to have a big hole in you. You know what I mean? So why, 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 the Bible says, Psalms 134.2, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. So you just do what God said. You know, going all the way back to Genesis, when Leah was raising her hands in praise to Yahweh for naming Judah, she raised her hands and praised God. If you read through Jewish history in the Old Testament, they raise their hands all the time, so why don't we? <laughs> we got a better covenant with better promises. We should be better givers. We should be better praisers. We should be better livers, right? We talked about this in Elevate last week, and I asked the kids, I said, so why, why do you think people struggle with it? So you young people that were in there last week, what were, some, what were your answers? Do you remember? Anybody want to say it out loud? So I have a question for you. Who cares what other people think? If God, if God takes pleasure in you doing something, and you're blessing, and you're blessing his, if he has socks on, you're blessing his socks off, you're blessing his sandals off, and, and, and he is so blessed by what you're doing, what do you care what this clown says It's not even involved at all? Did he die for you? Did he save your soul? Are you going to heaven because of him? Does he provide for your family? Does he give you new mercies every morning? Then who cares? Why do we do that? Why do we let people who aren't even as far along as us keep us from going deeper? I gave you a handout, and um, let me just say this about singing and worshiping, and I'm not, I'm not going to keep belaboring it, but in Psalm 22.3 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And it's so amazing to me that I think God enjoys our praises so much that he's drawn to them. You know, and, and I know they're not irresistible. Nothing's irresistible to God, but he's like, oh, dude, they're praising me. Wow. He, imagine putting a smile, if you will, bringing that kind of joy to God Almighty. And you and I do that when we praise him. So much so he's going to come hang out with us. And how many of you know being in, hanging out with the Lord is a good place to be? You ain't got nothing to fear there. So, I gave you seven biblical reasons because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think. I'm, <clears throat> I've been misunderstood over the years and I've, uh, I had some really, really, really good spiritual fathers who taught me respect. But they also taught me systematic theology and they taught me to study the Bible based on the Bible and I'm not gonna stand up here and say, well, you know, God appeared to me and showed me this. Especially if it's not in the Bible. I mean, the Bible addresses that. If even an angel comes to you proclaiming some other gospel, let him be accursed. So I don't, you know, if it's not in the Bible, I'm not concerned. You know what I'm saying? I, I want to go by what's here because God gave us plenty, amen? So I want to give you seven biblical reasons that we need to worship, okay? And I gave you that handout. You have the points and you have the scriptures so you can jump ahead if you want to, if you want to read them with us. Number one, when you sing, you obey. How many of you know that obedience is better than sacrifice? Singing is not an option. It's commanded. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, 
singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And then Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says, don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now, let me, let me, let me stop right there and help you with making melody in your heart. That doesn't mean, well, you're singing. I'm singing in my heart. I'm singing in here. <laughs> Not out here, but I'm singing in here. Now, the melody in your heart is, goes along with your voice. Praise has always been demonstrated physically as well as verbally. If you look throughout the Bible, it's a physical thing. Why? Because you're a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. And God wants all three involved. He wants to bless all three. He wants all three to bless him. We're not just invited to sing, folks. We're commanded to sing. Every scripture, and there's dozens that call for people to lift their voices to God, it means to lift their voices to God. I mean, if you feel like it. You say, well, it's hard. Well, good. It's even better if it's hard. <laughs> That's a sacrifice of praise, amen? That's what it says here in Hebrews. Through Jesus Christ, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips. They acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I shared that with you this morning in offering. But I think about David because 2 Samuel, go ahead and look, this isn't on there, 2 Samuel chapter 24. <clears throat> David had gotten himself in trouble. This is one of those things when I was first saved and studying the Bible didn't make sense to me. When he numbered the people, I was like, well, everybody takes the census. They've taken censuses before. Why is this such a big deal? Because like everything else, it was the heart of the matter. He was trying to see if he had enough help. How many of you know when you have God, you got enough help? <laughs> if you don't know that by now, it's been proven throughout history. God, you and God are a majority. You think, well, I don't have anything to offer. Hey, point oh 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 one times infinity is still infinity. And you serve an infinitely powerful God. But David, <clears throat> he wanted to make an offering to the Lord because he was in trouble for doing that. And he went, he found this, this uh, threshing floor. He wanted to build an altar there. And the guy was going to give it to him. And he goes, and I love what he says here. He goes, I will not offer God that which has cost me nothing. And the voice says it this way. No, I will buy these things from you. Name your price. I will not make an offering to the eternal one, my true God that has cost me nothing. Real praise is a sacrifice. Real service to the Lord is a sacrifice. If it's not, you ain't doing it right. <laughs> if it's not a sacrifice, there's more to do. And again, I'm not saying you've got to get back on the hamster wheel of righteousness. I'm just talking about, think about what you're doing from day to day. Are you giving it your best? That's what God asked for. We get so hung up on the 10%. No, God wants all of it. He wants 100%. Are you willing? Are you willing to give it? Abram was willing to offer up Isaac. But you're not going to outgive God. God had a plan. He's going to send his son. But he was willing to do it because he trusted God. So it's a matter of obedience. So if it's difficult to do, do it. And know that God's really going to bless, be blessed by it. Secondly, when you sing, you plant yourself deep in the word. You know, we looked at Colossians 3. It said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So 
Paul lays out this exhortation to let God's word dwell in you richly. Why would that be important? Huh? Why would it be important to have God's word dwell in you richly? So you know it, so you speak it, so you do the right thing, so you succeed, so you win, right? So you're doing things God's way, which is the best way. I like what he says here because there's two ways to do it here. One of them, it says, as we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, he said, let it dwell richly in you. Now, how do we let, well, we get taught, that's one way, and we sing. And I was, well, what does singing have to do with it? And I remember my pastor, Gary McSpadden, always called it take-home theology. If you sing a spiritually, a biblically accurate song, and that, guys, that's the problem with some of these songs today on the radio. They're, they sound good and whatever, but when you stop and listen to them, it's like, what? And it's all about me, all about me, Jesus, really? Some of the old hymns, some of the old hymns were messed up too, but man, some of those great songs of faith throughout the centuries, that is, a, you're getting to sing a three or four minute summary of a truth that will change your life. And it's easy to remember. And we're going to do that at the end of the service. We're going to sing one of those songs. But I was thinking about tonight, the, the theology behind what we sing is so important. Um, and we're going to get into, into why that's important. Because number three, when you sing, you build up other people. You say, how's that? Well, number one, if you're singing and you're not the greatest singer, then you encourage somebody else to sing. Do you know that my dear friend, our pastor, Daryl Baker, will tell you he's not the greatest singer, but it's never stopped him from singing praise to the Lord? I'm not the greatest singer, but it's never stopped me from singing praise to the Lord. Now, I'll admit there's been times I've been around some people that are really good that I really didn't want to sing. <laughs> like, oh, there's no need for me to sing. I'll drive. I'll drive you guys sing. I mean, but when it comes to praise, it's an individual thing. And there's something about that when people look around when they're visiting. This has been my experience in 39 and a half years in ministry. <clears throat> the women always sing. Most women think they're Sandy Patty. They're all sopranos. <laughs> They'll go for those notes. They don't care. You have a problem with it. Why are you paying attention to me? You should be worshiping God. You know, that's... That was my grandma and her sisters. My grandma was one of nine sisters, the singing Johnson sisters. There was two of them that could sing really good. I can't call what they were doing harmony. It was something. It was a joyful noise. I remember my Aunt Esther, not like Sanford, I'm Aunt Esther. My Aunt Esther <laughs> told me I was going to have to sing at one of my aunt's funerals. I didn't want to, but she'd asked me to sing. And I was going to sing it. And she says, so you're going to sing, a, oh, what was that song? It's like an old hymn, uh, In the Garden. I had to learn it. I didn't know any of those hymns. I, you know, I, I never went to church except once in a while with my grandma. And then when I finally got saved, I was going to Gary McSpadden's church. We were singing Gaither songs and other stuff like that. We weren't singing hymns. And I'll never forget, I ended up at my first church and the pastor's wife played the piano in that style, you know, where they play like this. Get up there and sing this song, Matro. I'm like, what song? This hymn. Everybody knows this hymn. I'm like, well, everybody but me. I even looked at hymn books and just the music was weird looking. You know, the way they have those notes. I'm like, I don't understand this at all. You know, the little dash between the stuff. Okay. But I was saying, she goes, well, I would sing it like this. I walk through the garden alone. And I was like, that's really great. But I don't think I'm going to sing it that way. <laughs> um, 
when you sing, you build up other people. And they got their singing on. They didn't care. We, we see that in Ephesians 5. And then look here in Colossians chapter 3. And I put a couple of extra verses in here because this is such a great passage. I want to hit that together. Uh, verses 12 through 17 of Colossians chapter 3. Say amen if you're there. Oh me, oh my if you're not. Wow. Bunch of complainers in here. <laughs> I'll give you a second. Colossians 3, 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ Dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I find it interesting that Paul lists forgiving, bearing one another, putting on love, being at peace, teaching God's word. And then he goes on and says, and singing, singing to one another. When we do what the Bible says and we sing together as a church family, people that are here are hearing professions and confessions of faith the entire time. I want you to think for a second about a couple of the worship songs we sang. Jesus, Savior, my heart is yours, Lord. So pour out your mercy, come and fill this place. Then on let the rain of your presence, love divine, Joy unspeakable, overflowing in my soul. This heart of mine is refreshed and at rest in your presence. How many of you guys could use some refreshment and some peace in the presence of God? Imagine you come in and you're struggling and you're doing that and you're having a hard time. You hear, all, and just it occurs to you, you're hearing all these people singing, Love divine, joy unspeakable, overflowing in my soul. This heart of mine is refreshed. And at rest in your presence. Oh, man. You know, some of us just need to do that. We need to put on some praise or some worship music and just go. <sighs> and just let the stress of the day just roll off you, roll out of you, and just go, wow, I'm in the presence of God. And I'm in here with my brothers and sisters where one puts 1,000 to flight and two puts 10,000 to flight. And there's a corporate anointing that will knock the burdens off everybody in this place. Hallelujah. But sometimes we got to bring ourselves up out of this. I look at it sometimes I see people, you're sitting so far down in the seat, it's almost like there's a hole in it. You're just, you're weighted down so much, you're just kind of, oh. And you don't need to say, Calgon, take you, Holy Spirit, take me away. And he will. He'll lift you up. That's why I always encourage you guys to testify when we're singing these songs. I'll tell you, testify. We're getting to that point where we're testifying. Man, you need to be doing that. You need to be claiming that promise and testifying that, saying it out loud. The devil hates hearing that. Oh, no, 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 you're defeated. No, you're defeated. No, 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 you're less than. You're less than. I'm more than a conqueror. Woo! No, you're not. You better. No, 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 I'm more than a conqueror through him. Remember him? Kicks your tail over the place. He loves me. Oh, you come mess with me again. Guess who's standing with me? This sword is the least of your worries. He's going to chuck Norris you right in the face. <laughs> but think of the impact. 
the encouragement. And not only that, guys, you're helping people who maybe they're not believers or maybe they're just barely in. And they're listening. They come in here and they're listening. They're hearing all these, these promises of God, these praises sung. And you know, in Psalm 105, God told the children of Israel he wanted them to be a light to the nations. You know, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be the light of the world. And in Psalm 105, verse 2, it says, Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. Let me ask you a question tonight. This is another one of those ponder, don't answer. When's the last time you went and found somebody and told them about God's wondrous works in your life? When's the last time you just bragged? We're going to get to that in a minute. We need to be bragging on the Lord, amen? All right, number four. When you sing, you're like this, you make war. You talk about a roundhouse upside the devil's head. And some of y'all go, well, uh, how does singing relate to war? All throughout the Old Testament. Check this out. In Colossians chapter 3, we've read that verse now three or four times. He's speaking to them about putting sin to death in their bodies. Putting on Christ and putting sin to death. How many of y'all know we need to do that? Because it wants to keep coming up. <laughs> It's like, no, down, down. The commands to love, the commands to peace, forgiveness, teaching, and then singing. Those are all attitudes and habits of the believer that will kill sin in your life. If you're, let me ask you a question. Same thing in Ephesians 5. We're given, the, we're given the command to address one another and song comes right on the heels of making the best use of time because the days are evil. Then he tells us to sing. So let me ask you a question. What, past, what posture would be more hated by the devil than this? Someone who is sitting there, standing there, singing praises and thanksgiving to God constantly, even in times of trouble. My God is an awesome God, he reigns. You know, how great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? All will see how great, how great is our God? I am blessed, I am blessed. We sing that song. Every day I, that I live, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning, lay my head to rest, I am blessed, I am blessed. We used to sing that. You come in there, you're singing that. You're identifying yourself as that. And then you're praising God. Guess why? Because he's the one that blessed you like that. The devil hates that. Wait a minute, what are you doing? I can't think of many stances that will irk the devil more than a believer whose eyes, heart, mind, and voice are lifted to heaven constantly in praise, love, appreciation, thanksgiving to God. You know that drives him crazy. Well, what about what I'm doing to you? It don't matter. I'm about to put my heel on your head and stomp you in the ground in Jesus' name. Not only that, if you're singing praises to God, it's extremely difficult to lie, to get angry, to be greedy, to look at something inappropriate when you're singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Simply put, a heart that is, that is steered towards God doing that is not going to easily fall to temptation. A singing heart is a heart at war with the evil one. Amen? Which brings us to number five. When you sing... You are spiritually strengthened for the trials that are coming your way. Well, wait a minute. I heard a guy on Facebook say there's nothing but good times coming my way. <laughs> guy on Facebook needs to read the Bible. 
Why, why would the devil leave you alone if you're constantly out there trying to win the, win the loss to Christ and share the gospel? And Why would he leave you alone? When there's so many who aren't doing anything, why wouldn't he just come after you? Well, I must be doing something wrong. The devil's attacking me. No, you're about to score. You're about to kick in the door of his place. You're about to rescue the captives and set them free, and he's going to stop you. No, you're not. <laughs> you can't stop me. He may devour if I let him. I ain't gonna let him. Amen? When you sing, you're getting, we, you know, I think of these old songs. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eyes on the sparrow. I sing if I'm in jail, I'm gonna sing. I learned that lesson from Paul and Silas. You wanna get out of jail? Start praising the Lord. We know that, pastor shared that, I'm not going to go to that, because uh, pastor shared that recently, but man, Acts chapter 16, that is such an incredible story. All they did was what God told them to do, <laughs> they got beat up and put, thrown in jail. And while they're in the jail, they're singing praises to God. John is thrown into a boil, a cauldron of boiling oil, burned, pulled out alive, he didn't die, well, let's, let's go ahead and send him to the Isle of Patmos. But on the Lord's day, he was in the spirit. I guarantee he didn't feel like being in the spirit. But he was in the spirit. And what happened? Well, he got the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas are there and all of a sudden the earth starts to shake. Boom. Everybody's chains are broken. Hallelujah. And what's incredible about that is it's still happening today. I read a story the other day about a pastor and I was going to tell Gopi, I was going to tell you guys this. Uh, it's uh, recently happened. It was a pastor and his wife and three-year-old son were jailed under a new law they've passed in India back in 2021. Um, it's an anti-conversion law. And uh, anyway, the guy's wife and his three-year-old got locked up. And it's because these are innocent people being lured in, whatever, and all this kind of stuff. And so there was another pastor that had gone through the same thing. There's a series of arrests. And he recently was released. And they were talking to him. And he said, no, we were in prison. But we sang every day because Christ was in us. And things looked really discouraging, but we knew we had Jesus. So we just sang. So they chained us to shut us up. But what we found out was the chains made musical instruments. And so he said they would go, they all each other, this is the day, clink, clank, this is the day, clink, clank, the Lord. <laughs> he turned his chains into a bell choir right there in that place. He said it wasn't long after they came and they let him out. And folks, there are people around the world, even in places like India. There's people in places all over the world that for the gospel of Christ are being persecuted, beaten, killed, jailed. And they're still singing praises to the Lord. Because <laughs> they know they have a great, great reward. Singing strengthens you. Singing helps you persevere. Singing turns chains into chimes. And if it can strengthen people like this in the face of their trials, imagine what it can do for you. Even when you're suffering, sing. 
Because number six, when you sing, you choose God's pathway to joy. Why is joy important? It's your strength. It is unspeakable, full of glory. It is something that the devil didn't give you, the world didn't give you, the world can't take it away. Your happiness, if it's based on stuff or people or things, you can lose. Because those people, that stuff can go away. But when God gives you joy, (laughs) you have to give it up. You have to let it go. But if you choose joy, and I gave you a whole bunch of scriptures there. I actually wrote them on your sheet. And so I want, I want to do this uh, as we start to close this out tonight. I want to read them together. Can we do that? <clears throat> Let's start with Psalm 5, verse 11. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Y'all read with me. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. Now remember when I preached here last time, I talked about that word exult. Which means to boast, means to brag. Even in trouble, you're supposed to brag on God. So that's what that exult means. Now, Psalm 9, 9, verse 2. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Psalm 51, 14. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Psalm 59, 16. I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in my day of distress. And then Psalm 63, 7, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. Hallelujah. It's a choice. I didn't add, you know, James 5, 13, since if anyone's cheerful, let him sing praise. (laughs) Because one of the things about joy is, anytime you study the word on this point, you're going to find something. Sometimes singing gives birth to joy, and sometimes joy gives birth to singing. But throughout Scripture, singing and joy are bound together. You cannot study one of those two biblical things without finding the other one. There's something about singing, making a melody in your heart. So if you struggle for joy, sing. If you're joyful, sing. Everybody sing. <laughs> And in God's perfect design and his understanding of art, the way we work, he's bound joy and singing together for his people. Finally, number seven, most important one. When you sing, you glorify God. It starts with obedience. It starts with planting yourself deep in the word, building up others, making more against the enemy and sin, overcoming, finding joy in God. All those things bring glory to the Father, which guess what? That's our purpose. We're supposed to be bringing glory to the Lord. We looked at what Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5 over and over, and it brought this very simple but powerful point, telling us to sing to God, to sing to the Lord. He is the object of our praise. And it has such a unique way of bringing our heart and our soul and our body together to worship as one unit, like we should, completely. Singing grabs the attention of all of our senses. And it helps us to focus on God. And as we close, we're going to, I had the guys prepare one more video because I want us to sing it together. Uh, it's one of those songs that it is, it is scripture. And it's awesome. And it talks about, in, it's in Christ alone that we place our trust. Our hope is found.
But I want to say this to you before we sing that. When we have a relationship with God, we will naturally want to begin to worship him. Because he provides for us. And he protects us. And he walks with us. And he guides us and he leads us. And he blesses us. He's so involved in our lives. I think we, we, we don't understand this. How involved he really is. From the most minute detail. If you let him, he's there. And in return, we worship him and we love him. In return, because he loved us first. He gave to us first. He blessed us first. So we're just returning it to him. And when we allow ourselves to really worship him, it will never be forced. It will flow naturally. But we have to remove the barrier that's blocking the flow. So many times, it's our pride. It is. I'm a guy, I know. No matter, if I'm visiting some other church, I ain't gonna sing out loud. I'm gonna sing where God can hear me. <laughs> I'm not gonna belt it out, you know. I'm just gonna sing, you know, holy, 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 the Lord God. I'm just gonna sing like that. Because I'm not there to show out for anybody. I'm there. Now, if everybody around me is singing loud, I'll sing with them. But I'm never going to draw attention to myself because that's just not who I am. But I'm going to sing loud enough where anybody around me knows I'm praising God. Ain't me no question. Well, I'll come, I guess, and there was hands in his pocket. I'm going to have my hands up. I don't care. You don't like it? Oh. I go to these churches sometimes that are not like us. <laughs> but you know what I found? If you really start ministering and the Holy Spirit begins to move, you could be in a little Presbyterian church somewhere in Pennsylvania. Some of them old farmers will start lifting their hand like this to God. <laughs> They've never done it before, but they're going to do it. Which means God's just begun to work in them. And that's awesome. But if I had been, if I had been afraid, let me, let me tell you something. I want to see everybody set free from the fear of man. And there's nothing that will set you free quicker from the fear of man than the fear of God. <laughs> Understand who it is we serve. How awesome, mighty, powerful he is. All he's done for you, how much he loves you, and then who cares what anybody else thinks. We pray you were blessed by the message we were able to share with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to find out more about our ministry, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.